Hey there, Internet. This is Justin, a.k.a. Demonic Sweaters, here with another live stream, live podcast. Um, this is episode number 48. And let me get my webcam turned on here. And let's see. There we are. Okay. Hey, how you guys doing? Anyway, <clears throat> thanks for coming by and checking out the stream if you're around. Feel free to ask questions as always. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, let me get my angle a little bit better there. We're going to be talking about today... Well, and many things, but the main topic I wanted to focus on was Linux versus Windows. And I know this is uh, one thing that comes up quite a bit. And I realized that I never really did a video on this. So I was thinking about this actually when I was laying in bed this morning, right? When I first woke up, I was like, oh, this might be a cool topic uh, to do a video on. And then I thought, uh, well, I might as well just do a podcast on it and uh, do a live stream. So, because I know a lot of people have opinions on this and uh, be a good thing to talk about. So anyway, uh, first off, what you just heard was a song called Cloud Driver by me, Demonic Sweaters. And that is on my new album called In Depth, which you can get at anthillrecordings.bandcamp.com. And I'll post a link in the chat here. And you can also uh, stream that here pretty soon, uh, probably in the next uh, few days, like week or so, on all the streaming services, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, and all of that. Um, so yeah, that was uh, Cloud Driver off my new album, In Depth. So check it out if you haven't already. And uh, so let's go ahead and get to it. Um, so the reason why I wanted to bring this up, um, I know a lot of Linux users out there... Um, well, I mean, it's just, it's not just Linux users, it's computer users in general. You know, people that prefer one system over another get really, really emotional about this kind of thing. They're like, Windows sucks, Linux is amazing, and you're an idiot if you think Windows is good for anything at all. And the same thing happens with Mac users. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll talk about how Mac is the greatest thing in the world. And same happens with uh, some Windows users. So they'll talk about how Windows is the greatest thing in the world. And uh, I am of the opinion, uh, you know, I don't know, call me crazy, but I kind of like all of them. Um, I use Linux, you know, about, uh, I want to say 75, 80% of the time. Uh, but I also do use Windows, uh, which I'm using right at this very moment, actually. I'm streaming off of Windows today. And uh, other times, I stream from Linux. Uh, but I also use Mac OS as well, occasionally. Uh, that one's probably in the much uh, lesser of the, the three, um, just because I don't have a current Mac, really. Uh, all of my Macs are very old, and I'm still using, like, Tiger, or at one point I had uh, uh, Snow Leopard, and, um, you know, pretty old Mac systems at this, at this point. Uh, but... Uh, so, yeah, I mean, but that's not to say that it's not great as well. I mean, Mac OS is actually, you know, a very fine OS. Um, and I don't know. So, but the thing is, I wanted to talk about, you know, you have your ups and downs, your your pluses and minuses, your uh, benefits and your problems with all of these OSs. And, uh, you know, we can just start right now with uh, Windows, since that's what I'm using. Uh, Windows has a lot of problems, <laughs> as I'm sure many of you know. Um, one of the, the main problems with Windows, in my opinion, is uh, speed. 
because especially if you compare it to uh, like a lighter weight Linux distribution, um, it is quite slow uh, compared, you know, right now I have Windows 10 on this uh, system that I'm using, which is a Dell gaming laptop. And I've done many videos with this system and I uh, talked about it a lot. But if I compare the performance uh, with Windows 10 uh, compared to uh, Lubuntu or Lubuntu, however you want to say it, uh, Lubuntu just blows it out of the water. I mean, it's no contest. It boots up faster. It, uh, hey, Ritual 301, how you doing? Uh, it just runs way, way faster with Linux. Uh, well, with Lubuntu. I haven't tried uh, many other distributions on this particular laptop. And uh, that's another thing that I will say, though, is the standard uh, edition of Ubuntu, at least when it still used Unity. Now, I stopped using uh, the standard version a while ago, so I haven't really used the GNOME uh, version of Ubuntu. So I can't say for its performance uh, as far as that goes, but uh, I will say that Unity was about equal to Windows 10. I think they're about the same speed, but... If you're using something like right now, I have a Plasma desktop on here, and uh, it runs really fast. Uh, it just it runs quite a bit faster than than Windows 10. Uh, so that is one major advantage. Um, and here is Pugo saying, uh, "Come here after 24 hours trying to install my audio interface driver on Windows." Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's another thing we could talk about with Windows is drivers, uh, which can be a huge pain. And the butt, uh, which I'm sure a lot of you know. What kind of driver you try to install, Pugo? Um, yeah, I had a problem with, uh, well, you know, of course I was trying to do something that, you know, isn't really uh, a common thing to do, which is get an original inbox to run on Windows 10, which you can do, by the way, if you use a, a particular commercial driver uh, called uh, Ploytech. It will make the uh, inbox one work, but... Uh, the Ploytech driver pretty much kills every other audio uh, system on Windows. Like if you're using USB for all, that will no longer function correctly, I've realized. Uh, but I'm no longer using that inbox. Uh, in fact, I'm selling it. I have it listed on Reverb right now. So if you're interested in my original inbox one, you can check it out there. It's got all the packaging and all that stuff on there. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, uh, well, what, what kind of driver was it, Pugo? Um, a Lexicon Alpha Audio Interface. I've never actually worked with a lexicon interface, so I'm not sh too sure about that. Um, maybe you could try, uh, you know, just uninstalling the drive. You know, all that usual crap you have to do. Completely uninstall the driver, uh, let Windows search for it, or download the official one from the website and uh, reinstall it that way. Uh, sometimes you just have to wrestle with it for a while uh, to get it to work. Uh, that that seems to be a pretty common problem, and. Uh, Let's see, Ritual, Ritual 301 says, I love my Linux and could never see myself ever going back to Windows for personal use anyways. But for the most part, I'm pretty ambivalent to what people choose to use. Yeah, I mean, well, let me tell you what I, the reason, one of the main reasons why I use Windows uh, sometimes is for Ableton Live. Uh, that is probably... 99% of the time that I boot into Windows is because I want to use Ableton Live. Now, I have heard, you know, that people can get it to run okay within Wine, uh, but I don't want running okay. I want it to run really, really good because I want super low latency. 
and I want to be able to produce music. And quite honestly, nothing, in my opinion, is as powerful and as good as Ableton Live is for producing music. Um, it's just, I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, I love Reaper, and Reaper is probably the best DAW that you can get for Linux right now. And if you're just tracking music, you know, and and you know, recording just standard MIDI and you know, uh, live tracks, Reaper is amazing, and I use it a lot. But again, like Ableton just does so much amazing stuff, and it is such a cool program to use. You know, I really wish they would come out with a Linux native version. And I know a lot of people, as soon as I say that, you're going to say, have you tried, uh, what's that one? Uh, there's the Ableton-like uh, thing that does run on Linux. I can't remember the name of it. But there's another program, Bitwig. Um, everybody always asks me, you know. And I have tried the demo, and the performance was pretty terrible, uh, honestly, on Linux. Uh, it wasn't usable, in my opinion. Um, so... And plus, it's very expensive. So that's that's why I have never really used Bitwig. Um, and it's, it seems like the GUI is way too bloated. Uh, Ableton is just very fast. And uh, you can be creative in Ableton. Uh, it is great software. And plus, I have one of these dealies. This is the, uh, um, the iLock. And I've had this thing for years. And I have some commercial plugins and synths and stuff that I've been using since 2009 or 2008 and they still work like that's the crazy thing like i can use a lot of my stuff in you know the latest version of ableton well i have ableton 9 it's not the latest version but i can use that uh still to this day all my commercial programs except for the wave stuff waves i hate that company and i, I might as well go go off on a rant on that too but uh you know but most of the other stuff it, it does still work really good i have a uh, some synths that I that I really like. Uh, there's some of the uh, uh, what's the company um, UV. Uh, is that what they're called? Um, anyway, I have some commercial software that I just really like. Um, you know, I love open source stuff too. But there's some, you know, the reason why some of this stuff costs money is because it's nice. You know, there's some really good stuff. And Ableton Live, the uh, light or not the light version, but the the intro version. Uh, which is what I have is only like 150 bucks or 50 bucks, depending on if you get a coupon or whatever. So uh, before I went off on that tangent, that is the main reason why I like to use Windows uh, is mostly for Ableton. Um, I also like uh, there's the Windows Photo app, uh, and it's gotten pretty good. Um, I like it. Um, also, you can run Caden Live in Windows now which of course you can run in linux too uh, but you know you can do a lot of stuff in windows you know there's a lot of the best programs that were only in linux are actually available for uh, windows now too uh, like Kaden live and uh, gimp and uh, uh, even rose garden you can get on windows but it's kind of weird uh, it doesn't work so great um, but yeah, I don't know. What else do I boot into Windows for? There's a couple, like, I have, like, there's a proprietary software for my Zoom uh, PSO4 that only works in Windows. I've tried to do it in Wine. It doesn't work. Um, gaming, of course, uh, Windows. Although now uh, my Steam library, uh, a lot of it does work uh, in Linux now, so there's not a whole lot of reason to do that uh, anymore just for gaming. And I'm not even, like, a big gamer anyways. I only I mostly just play visual novels. That's like pretty much my only type of game that I I like. Um, 
and I don't even play those that much. Every now and then I'll go on like a, you know, a little bit of a, a you know, a, a spree. Is that a word? Uh, you know, of like playing these games, <clears throat> you know, when I'm bored. But I usually have way too much stuff to do. Um, so uh, Pugo, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what to tell you about that audio driver for the Lexicon. Have you tried it in Linux? Uh, maybe you'll have better luck. And also, what version of Windows are you using? Um, let me see what Ritual 301 says. Definitely stuff out there that work better on other OSs. I guess that should be expected when you have money to throw at a project. Linux doesn't do too bad being for free. And yeah, I absolutely agree. And especially with Reaper now, I mean, even though Reaper's not free, but it's cheap. And uh, in Reaper, you can get some really, really good results in Linux and very stable. Like, it runs really, really good. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, it used to be I used to like to do some video editing in Windows, too, with uh, Vegas, which I, I still do occasionally. But Caden Live has gotten so good that... Uh, I rarely have to use Vegas, except for like uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was an update to Caden Live that was terrible. Like it really, really wrecked my system on the Linux side and I was crashing all the time and everything, but uh, it updated again and it seems like it's better now. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That, that'll that happen occasionally. Um, I'm trying to think there's got to be something else I like in Windows. Oh, well, the Windows uh, 3D Paint program is really cool. I really like that. And... Uh, <laughs> That's about it, really. I mean, most of the other stuff I, I do in Win or in Linux. Um, now, you know, when you're going to do, like, you know, commercial work uh, for, like, say you're recording a band or you're doing a mastering project or something like that for money, um, which I do occasionally, and, you know, even then I'm kind of like half and half between Windows and Linux. Um, if I'm mastering, a lot of times I'll use Linux because uh, there's some tools in there that I like a lot. Uh, but again, most of these tools do work on Windows too. You have Mixbus. I, I usually use, even though I've done a ton of videos on about mastering in uh, Audacity, uh, that's not really how I do it. <laughs> well, I do a little bit. I do the final touches there in Audacity, but the main part of the mastering I always do in Mixbus. Uh, because Mixbus, I think, has some of the nicest uh, compressors and limiters uh, that I've ever used for, for software. And so I, I usually do uh, the vast majority of the mastering there. And then I do my maximizing and loudness, you know, peak limiting uh, within Audacity. So I can either do that in Windows or in Linux. And it just sort of depends on what's being most stable uh, for me at the time that I'm doing it. Uh, I just mastered a, a, the new Echoscape uh, EP that is coming out very soon, which you should check out. And uh, I should play a song off that. I don't think he'll get mad if I do. Um, but uh, Echoscape, if you're not familiar, is uh, my friend Satoshi Inoue's uh, project from Japan, from Tokyo, Japan. And uh, I played drums with him. Well, I'm actually on this, on two of the songs. Uh, he used to live here in New York City, and re we recorded uh, several uh, songs together. And some of that's already out there. Uh, but now he's got a band put together in Japan, and uh, they're releasing uh, the new EP. Uh, it's about half the stuff with me on it and half the stuff uh, with the uh, current drummer. And uh, I did the kind of assistant uh, mixed and did some mastering on that. But uh, that one I think I did about half in Windows and half in Linux. Um, so it just, you know, it just depends on what I'm doing and uh, what I have going on and what's, what's being the most stable. Like stability, 
uh, really can be an issue uh, and really can be a, a reason to want to use something. Now, a lot of people that produce music, you know, they like to just have one system, you know, and that's all they do. And they don't like to mess around with all this stuff because they're not a big nerd like I am, you know, and they don't like to constantly be tinkering with uh, computers and stuff. But, you know, that's cool, you know. <laughs> But I like tinkering, and I know a lot of you guys do too, and that's why you watch this channel, because like we like to mess with this stuff. And there's something cool about exploring you know, uh, software, and you know, if you're using new stuff, sometimes you start to think outside of the box and do things a little bit differently that you wouldn't do if you're using the same thing over and over again. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but... Okay, so we, we touched on Windows. Oh, well, we didn't really go into the flaws uh, so much, and we, there's a lot more to talk about that there. Um, one of the things on Windows 10 that I regret doing is signing up for the, uh, the Insider Build uh, edition. And if you're not familiar, Insider Build is like Windows 10's beta. Uh, so you could get like uh, new stuff... Um, you know, that isn't available to everybody just yet. Like, for, for instance, I have, like, the new uh, Windows search bar down on my taskbar that's separated from Cortana. Like, I have a separate Cortana now, which I never use, ever. Um, so, I mean, they should just remove Cortana, in my opinion, but they won't. But, um, so, anyway, this Insider build, this thing is incredibly unstable. And once you do it, there's basically no way to revert back. Um, the only way to revert back is to... Well, I've read conflicting uh, information about this. You can uncheck it, uh, but it I've had it unchecked for months, and it just does not seem to make a difference. Like, I still have the Insider build, and I've read some forum posts that say that you have to, like, just reinstall Windows to get rid of it. And then I've read some other ones that say that eventually when your Windows version catches up to the Insider build that you have... Like, if the actual Windows version catches up to that and then it updates, then it'll finally take you off that Insider build. So I'm hope hoping that will happen on mine so I don't have to reinstall it because, you know, I just don't want to have to go through the hassle of, like, reinstalling all my stuff and all my plugins and programs and all of that. Of course, I'm backed up, but it's still a pain uh, to do all of that. So, yeah, so stability with Windows 10. Now, if I were using just the standard, you know... Uh, you know, the regular build of Windows 10, it could be way more stable. But my state, my version is not that stable. I have a lot of graphics uh, lockups. And I think it, well, it definitely has to do with the Insider build because I didn't have them before I signed up for that. Um, so that is annoying. Uh, like, hopefully that won't happen while I'm doing this stream and it locks up. And usually what will happen is I'll get a green screen and then the computer just shuts down. And I have to, like, turn it back on and start over. So hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Windows, stability. You know, that you can get lockups. Chrome uh, seems to crash a lot on Windows 10. Uh, you know, opening apps sometimes can be slow. You have the search bar can be slow. Uh, there's a lot of stability crap. Uh, you have the notifications thing that's super annoying on the, the lower right-hand corner. Like, I try to mute those as much as possible. Uh, what else? Um, you know, you guys have anything, any any bad uh, negative things you want to say about Windows, you can put them in the chat, and I can address them. But, yeah, I mean, it has plenty, plenty of stuff to dislike. Uh, but 
It has plenty of stuff to like, too. Like, a lot of stuff works in Windows. And there's a ton of free software. There's a ton of free plugins, uh, you know, music producing tools. Like, I know, like, there's Mac users that say, oh, producing music on Mac's the best. But, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Windows has, like, I mean, there's, like, eight bajillion VSTs for Windows. Like, the amount of VSTs that are available for free for Windows absolutely crushes the amount that's available for Mac and Linux. Uh, Linux has a lot now. Uh, Mac doesn't have a lot of free, actually. They have some great stuff, but a, a lot of it's commercial. Um, but there are some free stuff, but not a... I mean, there's no contest as far as uh, that goes with Windows. Like, Windows just has... You can go on free VST. I think it's freevst.com or free, freevst.net and uh, KVR and sites like that. And you can find more plugins... Uh, I apologize for the siren. It wouldn't be one of my podcasts or one of my streams if there wasn't an ambulance or a police car or anything out there. Uh, it just happens. But uh, yeah, th- you know, there's no contest. There's so much available for Windows, and there's so much free software, too. You have almost as much free software for Windows as there are for Linux. I mean, there's a ton. And then there's some stuff that's available for free on Windows that isn't available on Linux. Like there's one called Format Factory that I like a lot. That's like a, a audio and video co- uh, converter. It tries to sneak some spyware, in, or not spyware, but adware onto your computer if you're not careful. You just have to watch the installer uh, when you're installing it to make sure you have everything unchecked that you don't want to install. But, uh, you know, stuff like that with Windows. You know, if we've if you're one of the people that's been using Windows forever... You know, like me, like I've had like the first Windows I ever installed on my computer was Windows 95 back in the 90s, like the actual 90s. Um, and, you know, even back then when you were installing stuff, you know, programs, it's like an old trick. They would always be constantly trying to sneak install stuff. And so as long as you know, like not to go to like really sketchy websites and then download a bunch of you know, iffy material and install like toolbars and like, all this like garbage that that can really mess up windows uh it can be pretty good you know for the most part and there's a lot of free stuff out there and you can be very productive in windows if you know what you're doing now if you don't know what you're doing you know if you're like somebody's mom or somebody's uncle or something like or grandma they have a lot of problems uh you know from doing technical support jobs you know i would log into people's computers where like this much of the top of the browser was toolbars. It was like Yahoo toolbar, you know, when the Google toolbar used to exist, like all these different toolbars. And like, you'd have like this much browser and like this much toolbars. Like, and like the thing would be like crawling along, you know, just barely working. And it'd take like, like 20 minutes for the computer to start up because they'd have so much crap on there and ads and just like garbage. And like to these types of people, like, People that aren't computer people, I always recommend to buy a Mac because a Mac, when you turn on a Mac, it will just work and it's not going to give you any of that crap. It just won't. And I know a lot of like, you know, diehard Linux and uh, Windows users will be like, oh, Mac sucks. Some of them. Uh, But, you know, as far as a stable system and a user friendly system, nothing really beats a Mac. I mean, it just doesn't. Everything, as long as you are okay with using everything Apple, which I'm not, but if you are, and most of the most of the time, those types of people, like the people that 
you know, end up with 8 billion toolbars on their, their browser, they don't know the difference anyways. So they'll just gladly use, you know, whatever is there and easiest, which for a Mac, just, you know, they just do that. Like they just make everything easy. And uh, so it's, you know, it's great for those types of people. So anytime I know somebody that's like a computer, like illiterate, you know, and just wants a good computer to get some work done, I always recommend a Mac because, you know, even though they're more expensive, but, you know, they're more expensive for a reason. They look good and they work. You know, that's just it. So anyway, I got a couple more comments here. Uh, uh, Paladini971 says, who uses Windows these days? Linux Mint 19.1 can run circles around Windows 10. And uh, yeah, I talked about that in the beginning uh, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I also talked about it. When, you, when this is done, you can go back and if you want to listen to what I said about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I use both. And uh, Ritual301 says, yep, my parents have problems with tech. I don't think my mom has ever even used a PC, like ever. It's nuts. My pops ain't much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my actually, my dad... It's weird. When I was younger, my dad seemed to be the techie guy. And uh, now he's just not. I don't know. He just doesn't really mess with it anymore. So he just forgot a lot of stuff. But my mom isn't that bad. Uh, she's actually pretty good uh, compared to other people in her age group. Um, she's not like, you know, writing C code or anything like that. But she can navigate around, you know, and get things done uh, pretty well uh, on a computer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So let's talk about now. I went over through. I went through a lot of the the negatives of of Windows, but let me go ahead and I'm going to play another song, and uh, and then we'll come back and I'm going to talk about some of the negatives of Linux because there are a lot, and uh, you know I, I wanted to be realistic about this because I'm not going to say, you know, like oh you know this just blows away everything like because you know it's not for everybody and there's a reason why. You know, like, uh, not everybody uses Linux. So we'll talk about that when we come back. So let me go ahead and play a song, and then we'll be right back. What am I going to play? Uh, I'm going to play... Let me see if I can play something from Echoscape, because I was talking about... And do I have this in here? See, that's the problem with my uh, Windows. Uh, well, I'll just search in Apple Music. <laughs> my Windows uh, setup... I don't have uh, everything configured, you know, because I'm not in here all the time. I don't have my music library really here. I mean, it is, it's on the hard drive. I could get it, but I don't have it configured really. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to play something here by my pal Satoshi uh, that I was talking about. This isn't off his new album if the internet ever picks up here. Uh, oh, come on. Maybe I'm not going to play that. It's got to be here. Oh, maybe he's not on. I'm, I'm looking at Apple Music right now. And uh, I, I should touch on. Oh, there, here we go. Here he is. I should touch on that, too. I did a couple videos recently on Apple Music. And uh, some of you may wonder why you know I talk about Apple Music. But I could address that as well. Um, okay, so I'm going to play a song called Half Moon uh, by uh, my friend Satoshi and his project... Uh, Echoscape, and I'm going to go ahead and play that right now. So here we go.
Okay. So, yeah, that was Echoscape with the song Half Moon. And uh, let me make sure I don't get another song playing here. And, uh, okay, so <clears throat> details of that track. Um, that was, okay, so my friend Satoshi Inoue, uh, who currently lives in Tokyo, uh, he used to live here in New York City. And we used to play in a band together called Quiet Sons. And uh, actually, that stuff, the Quiet Sun stuff, is all is on my label, uh, anhillrecordings.bandcamp.com. And uh, if you're into, like, math rock and stuff like that, definitely check it out. It was me on drums and Satoshi on bass and my friend Adrian on guitar and vocals uh, on the first EP. And the second EP was just me and Adrian. Uh, Satoshi had stopped playing at that point and then started working on Echoscape. Now, Echoscape, um, that is mainly Satoshi's project. Uh, he writes all the music. And with that song, uh, the way we had uh, worked on that EP, the Half Moon EP, is he recorded most of the parts already in his apartment uh, on acoustic guitar and uh, bass and did some like scratch vocals and then programmed some drums, you know, some basic ideas of what he was thinking. And then we went over to my studio, uh, the old studio I used to have. If you go back to like my 2016 uh, videos somewhere around there, there's actually a, a short video of me uh, tracking the drums to one of those songs uh, in my channel somewhere. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, what, what we did is we set up some mics. It was very minimal miking setup. We had like, I think, a stereo uh, overhead pair and then a kick drum mic. And then I, or no, no, we did more than that. We mic'd up the toms and everything. That's right, because we had two audio interfaces chained together. And we recorded them in Logic on Satoshi's computer in my studio. And uh, just, you know, just recorded the drums over it. And then he would go back and then up like basically re-record the guitar and the bass to like have it be more in sync with what i played and uh and we did that uh on most of the songs on that ep and then the new one that's coming out if you look on his uh page echoscape page uh is gonna be like i said there's like two songs with me on it and two songs with their current drummer and uh so it's really cool he's a great satoshi's a great musician uh he's a really interesting guitar player uh, he does a lot of tapping like on acoustic guitar and uh he's just a really cool guy and uh it's cool to be able to work with him even still to you know even though he moved we still work together uh, which is nice and uh and actually another album i'm i'm on another record that just came out uh by my friend ronin i should play one of those later so i'll get into that later uh you know just you know more stuff with just of you know my drumming uh you know where i play with other people which is always fun so yeah where were we so now let's get back into this linux versus windows discussion and ritual 301 are you still buffering there um i don't know why it keeps telling me my connection is not good even though it is like i have great internet like i really think it's youtube at this point because there's no reason why i should be uh having trouble with my connection uh my download and upload speeds are like insanely good uh so i don't know what youtube's problem is but I do think it's them. Uh, okay, so problems with Linux. Where to begin on this one? Okay, so now before I even get started on this, just want to remind all of you guys, especially if you're just tuning in, I am a hardcore Linux user. I've been using Linux since the early 2000s. I think maybe 2000. Since about 2000, I think, is when I started. 
So I'm going on 20 years of using it, and I've been using it, you know, a lot, almost my main OS this whole time. And uh, uh, oh, thanks, Ritual 301. Uh, the compliments on Echoscape. Um, but so I just wanted to, you know, remind all of you again <laughs> of that. Uh, that you know, I'm not saying this stuff uh, to insult Linux because I love it, but let's be honest, it has a lot of problems, you know. And I'm sure if you're a, a serious Linux user, you will know this. Uh, granted, it's much, much, much better than it used to be, but uh, one of the main issues and one of the biggest problems uh, a lot of new users face is just getting it to work to begin with. <laughs> like when you first install it uh now and this can be it's just this highly depends on the computer that you're installing it on um you know if you're using that's why a lot of times if people are using linux i often recommend them to buy a dell because dells almost always work uh right out of the box with linux uh depending on well they almost always do i don't think i've ever had one not uh honestly even the old ones but, okay, so ins installation can highly depend on what you're installing it on. So if you have a Dell, like I said, Dell even sells computers with Linux on them new. So, you know, the hardware is pretty much uh, going to support everything that you could throw on it as far as Linux goes. Now, if you're using a Mac, uh, you're probably going to run into some problems on installation, uh, which I have done. Um, in fact... One of my favorite uh, computers that I ran Ubuntu on was the, one of the old black MacBooks. And if you've been watching my channel for a while, you probably remember when I used to do everything on that thing. And uh, it was a Core 2 Duo uh, MacBook. And uh, once I got it installed, it was amazing. Getting it installed was a bit of a hassle because uh, those things have a weird 32-bit um, uh, uh, EFI, but... 64-bit processors so i had to do this like i had to write my own iso basically and i have a video about that on here which i've that's one of my most popular videos for good reason uh because uh i didn't invent this code by the way that's in that video i just found it in like a forum and then uh compile or made the code freely available on github uh so but it is really really great what it does is it remasters an iso that allows you to uh boot onto a 64-bit uh, uh, MacBook, one of the ones that were in that weird 2007 era, you know, where they were like, uh, they had the 32-bit EFI, um, and allows you to boot up into a 64-bit and install 64-bit on that system, which if you don't have that uh, remastered ISO, you can't. It'll give you an error. And uh, so that's just one example um, there's plenty of other computers, like I had a uh, old gateway um, that gave me a lot of trouble when I would try to install Linux on it. Um, I would always get it to work, but you know it can be headaches. And for new users, like they don't know like what a lot of this stuff is, you know, like and not every Linux distribution installs the same way. You have some that install, uh, you know, you just put in the disk and boot it up, and like you can start installing from when you boot to the disk and other ones you have to boot into live mode and then install it from there other ones is kind of like either or so there's no like consistent way to install it on any you know across all the different distributions and uh this can be really uh troublesome for new users 
and sometimes you'll get through an installation all the way and then it won't boot <laughs> uh you know like this has happened to me countless amount of times and when i was younger you know and like first started working with linux uh, i was pulling my hair out so much because it used to be so much worse like you have no idea how bad it was um in unless you used it but like back in the day they didn't even have graphic installers like everything was like text-based installers and like you know you'd have to sometimes you'd have to reinstall like seven or eight times on the same system before you got it right because there was no like explanation of all the different options that you had and like you just had to like either know everything about the linux kernel or just like total crapshoot and guess you know like what you were doing and uh you know that would happen a lot you know but it's gotten way way better but it's still you know uh oh okay uh yeah, how do you say this? Yaver Mosia, Yaver Mosia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but yes, I got the same Mac, but it can't boot from USB stick. The key point is booting from DVD, which is not my case. Now, that's interesting because I used to think that as well, but you actually can boot those from the USB. It's just very, very difficult. You have to go into the open firmware. Uh, I actually got an iBook to do it. Uh, which blew my mind. Like, I never thought I would be able to get an iBook to boot from USB, uh, but you can. Um, and you can do it on the iBooks, and you can also do it on the MacBooks, but you just have to uh, go into the open firmware, and it's a very long, difficult, tedious thing to do uh, because it doesn't always work the same way depending on the system, but it is possible. Um, so if you're curious, you could look into that. <clears throat> um Let's see. He says, now, uh, man, what if I connect the hard drive with Linux installed on PC? I'm not sure. What do you mean? If you if you connect a hard drive from a PC to a Mac? Is that what you're saying? I don't think that would work. Uh, yeah, that probably wouldn't work uh, if that's what you're saying. Um, but so now, as far as like the installation... Uh, inconsistencies uh, to install you know I really don't see this ever getting better because the same time as this being a very uh, big flaw it's also part it's a double-edged sword because it's part of something that is actually really great about Linux in my opinion is how there are so many distributions and so many different flavors of Linux you can find the one that you really like that is you know, almost closer to your personality. Whereas like Windows and Mac, you you have like one choice. And like, to me, they don't feel like uh, there's much individuality there. Like, whereas Linux, uh, you have a lot of different choices and you can customize it like endlessly to have your own system. Like mine right now, it's Elubuntu, but I'm running uh, Plasma Desktop. So I'm not even running... Uh, LXDE or LXQT, which is what it runs now anymore on this system. On my other system, I do run LXQT because I like it on that one. Uh, it seems to run better on that one. But um, <clears throat> but yeah. So this whole installation problem is closely related to the fact that there are so many different distributions and so many different ways to do it, which is also a, a plus. You know, it's a good thing. Um, in my opinion. So let me look at some of the comments here. Uh, Javier said, I started using Linux because I cannot afford paying for different software licenses like actual OS. 
Office, WinZip, and others. Actually, I buy a second hand laptop and just upgrade the RAM and install Xubuntu. I'm writing this on an old uh, Vio. Oh, wow. Yeah, Vio from 2012, and it runs great with Xubuntu. Uh, Xubuntu is nice distro, says Ritual301. And yeah, I agree. Um, and I do that a lot too, or I used to do it more. Um, and I still do it sometimes. Uh, I like, is there something satisfying about getting these old systems uh, to run something uh, fairly current, you know, or very, or totally current, you know, which is what I loved about using the, the PowerPC Max with Linux. I really, really wish uh, they would update Ubuntu again to continue to support uh, PowerPC because it was supporting it up to 16.04. And a lot of you may have seen my iBook videos where I, I do still run Ubuntu 16.04 on there, but they've dropped support since then, which is a shame. You know, I really wish they would continue to support it because I love running, you know, Linux on these old systems and uh, getting them to run. I mean, the iBook is, geez, that one's like 2000 and what, four? Something like that. It's really old. Um, but yeah, it's a great feeling to be able, and it's also less wasteful. Like, I think people throw away stuff way too early, you know, like you have like a comp computer that's like, two years old and people throw it away you know or they give it away it's like it's crazy you know like this is something that costs like thousands of dollars or can you know and like no other piece of like electronics is like that like you buy a pair of speakers you keep them you know like i have a i have a set of tannoys here that are like almost 20 years old now and they still sound awesome like <clears throat> people are weird with technology like phones and computers and i i must admit i'm pretty you know I'm pretty bad with phones, you know. I I always change up my phone, but uh, I don't know. I think because it's much harder to customize Android uh, than it is, I, I you know I've never really gotten into doing custom ROMs and stuff like that. I know some people are way into that, but I've just never really gotten into it. Uh, let's see what uh, Yavernusia <laughs> says. Uh, will you give us a video of booting Mac to 3264 from USB stick? Uh, 16 or on Ubuntu 16.18. Thank you for your interesting discussion. By the way, uh, you've read my Nick correct. It means I am back in Russian. Oh, okay, cool. Um, you know the thing is with the the booting of the from the USB stick on a Mac. Well, I could only show you on an iBook because that's the only Mac I have right now. Uh, but I could do that. Uh. That'd be good, you know. I, maybe I'll try to do that. If I get another MacBook at some point, uh, I would do that too. Uh, there, you know, it is possible, like I said. But um, where were we on the discussion there? Uh, so, well, anyway, more negatives about Linux. Um, stability. Uh, now, as far as the actual OS goes, um, Ubuntu, which is or Ubuntu-derived distros are the only ones I ever use anymore. Um, I used to use other ones. I used to use Red Hat a long time ago. Uh, uh, OpenSUSE. Uh, I made a distro on OpenSUSE at one point. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, Debian. I used to use exclusively Debian, actually. Uh, but Ubuntu is the only thing, or Ubuntu-derived distros are the only things I ever use now. And... It, the reason why is because it is very, very stable uh, as far as the OS. Um, I never have a problem. It just runs great. 
Now, that being said, there's still a lot of stability issues on programs. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that crash or, or just don't work, um, especially if you're into like media production and stuff like that and you want to try uh, new things and work on, you know, try to be creative and use different software. And if you experiment a lot, you're going to have a lot of crashes, you know, and that's just part of it. Um, let's see what Javier said. Uh, right. A 10, 10 old lap or 10 year old laptop being thrown to waste today could be considered a super computer many years ago. Windows would crush such old equipment. It all runs fine with Linux. Yeah, totally. I mean, I will give though Windows 10 is much nicer on uh, slower hardware than Windows 7 was. Uh, some people may not believe that, but it's true. Uh, Windows 10 is it's pretty nice in my opinion as far as Windows go. Uh, Windows 8 was horrible. Uh, Windows 7 was a good Windows, but as far as uh, you know computer resources, I think Windows 10 is actually a little bit better than Windows 7. Um, so yeah, but. Linux software, you know, so many times I've been recording, like there's a, what's the one, Muse Sequencer? <laughs> I had such a hard time with a song that I was recording a Muse Sequencer on Linux. Uh, it's actually this song called Faltemeyer's Ferrari. Um, I should play that, but it's uh, it's one of my older songs. It's on my album. I think it's on Return Home. And uh, this song, I started the song in Muse Sequencer, and I really, really liked where it was going. And suddenly, Muse started just crashing, like at boot. Like I couldn't even load the project. And I was like halfway through the song, and I, I was really into it. And I was like, I can't let this song go. And I was getting super frustrated. And so I even like basically what I had to do was I reached out to the developer of Muse Sequencer. And I was sending him my project files which were XML files, and he was manually going into the XML files and correcting the the bad code in there so I could open up the the project again, which was awesome for him to do. I mean, that, you know, nobody in Windows would ever do that, you know, obviously. But uh, so you have that kind of thing with uh, Linux developers, which is amazing. But, uh, but at the same time, every time I would like basically save the program and then try to reopen and I was having that problem. So it took me like two months to finish this one song, but I did finish it and it finally did come out and it, it came out really good. And, you know, I've always really liked it, but like that was the last time I really did serious work in Muse Sequencer because it was so frustrating. Like I was like freaking out and I've had some experiences like that in Q Tractor as well. Like Q Tractor, like there's just, it just does weird stuff. Like, and it's not so much as stability with QTractor, but like just weird UI choices. Um, it just does some incredibly frustrating things that like made me want to throw my computer into the wall, you know? <laughs> like, so like, you know, I don't really use QTractor that much uh, because of that. I know some people really, really like it. Like, I think it's a really, like, it looks really good. And for very basic stuff, it's pretty good. But once you get into trying to do like complicated things, like do like, you know, buses and stuff like that, it's just all fucked up. Like, pardon my French, but, or at least it used to be like a year ago. I don't know how it is now, but like, but yeah, I had like serious issues uh, with it, especially when I was, because a lot of times what I'll do with drums is I'll do like a, a, you know, I'll take all of my drums and then create a stereo bus 
and then put compression on that bus. So I do a lot of bus compression because I don't like doing direct compression on a drum. You know, like I hate like compression just on the snare drum. I think it sounds horrible. And uh, but if you do like a bus compressor, uh, you can still have the real. Uh, some people call it parallel compression. You can do like a real uh, snare sound and have the dry sound, and plus you can have the compressed sound going at the same time, and you can blend them in together. And it's just a much more natural sounding uh, sound. So, but anyway, when I would try to do that in Q Tractor, it had all kinds of latency. Like it would have latency issues between its own channels, which was really weird. Like I don't understand how that is even possible. And then like the way it routes things is really weird. Like it just has some very bizarre ways that it handles audio. And uh, let me see what uh, Javier said. I tried Windows 10 in my 2010 laptop, unusable. Windows 7 works fine at some extent. Yeah, well, I, again, I think it depends on the computer too. Uh, Paladini971 says, I have Linux Mint 19.1 Tesla Cinnamon, Cinnamon running on my desktop and anything I throw on it works great. It has an Asus P8 P67 Pro MB Intel i7 CPU, 64 gigabytes of RAM. Well, I mean, with a system like that, I think any any system you're running you know, should run great if you have an i7 with 64 gigs of RAM. Uh, you know, but that's cool. I've never tried Cinnamon. Uh, I've wanted to try it. I haven't tried that yet. Uh, the last time I used Linux Mint was years ago. And uh, uh, yeah, so I don't really know a whole lot about it. Uh, I do like, I, I find a lot of answers in the Linux Mint forums, though. Like, there's a lot of, I know it's a very active community, which is cool. Uh, it's probably the most active next to Ubuntu uh, that's out there. And I know a lot of people love Linux Mint. Uh, but don't really use it. Um, but I am interested in cinnamon. I should I should check that out. Uh, now, from what I under well, the screenshots I've seen, it kind of reminded me of the old versions of GNOME. Is it like a uh, like a derivative of GNOME or something? I'm, I don't really know much about it. But uh, anyway, so yeah, software stability—that's an issue with Linux. But you know, it's all open source. You know, not all of it, but ninety-nine percent of it is, and. Uh, you know, so that's the kind of thing you, if you're a Linux user, you're pretty ready for that stuff, you know. Some people don't get it. You know, they don't understand why you would want to fuss with all this stuff when you could just have, you know, you could just pay the money and, uh, you know, have it work, you know. But like uh, Javier was saying that, you know, that it can't really afford, not everybody can afford, well, especially like Microsoft Office. Like, I, I can't afford that. Like, I mean... Or like all the Adobe products, like it's like ridiculous the amount of money they charge for these things. Um, so I just, you know, I just won't, you know, spend that much money, you know, until I start. If I were making a lot of money off this stuff, you know, off what I use this media production uh, equipment for, then maybe I would. But for now, you know, Caden Live works great, you know, and it's free. So, you know, when it starts to crash, it's pretty frustrating. You know, especially when I'm working on a YouTube video or something like that. But uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's just one of those things, you know, where you're either into it or you're not. Like some people, they don't understand the point of why you would want to mess around with computers. But if you're a nerd, then <laughs> you get it, you know. So now, uh, you know, we we touched on that. Now, now the positives of Linux 
you know, there's a lot of those. And we kind of touched on those a little bit too. You have like everything's free or mostly everything is free unless you want to buy some commercial software like uh, uh, Mixbus or um, Reaper. Uh, but, you know, like I said before, Reaper is very inexpensive and so is Mixbus. And they're very good, very good softwares and I highly recommend both of them. Uh, let's see. Ritual 301 says, no, it's separate from GNOME, referring to Cinnamon. Uh, Cinnamon is kind of similar uh, to maybe a Windows 7. Interesting. Uh, Javier says, something hard for me in Linux is sometimes there's software. Wait, wait, where'd it go? Sometimes there's software you may need to compile yourself that is not in the distro's repository. Yeah, well, it depends on uh, depends on what your uh, looking for, you know, but yeah, but the thing is with compiling software, it's actually easy if the documentation is good. Um, it's very easy, really, but if the documentation sucks, then it's impossible. Like, uh, some of the, the, the problem or the main problem with compiling from code is, you know, when people just leave out uh, requirements, uh, required packages. And that happens all the time. Like people like in the readme file need to list all the requirements or they'll list the requirements, but don't tell you where to get them. You know, they're either not in the repositories or they don't link it to anything or they call it something else. You know, they'll, they'll just call it an, like a nickname or something <laughs> like, or like, you know, it'll be in the repositories as lib, you know, it'll be a library, but they won't tell you that. They'll just tell you that it's a package, you know, like, so you have to, like, find all that stuff out, you know, for yourself. So that's where compiling becomes really difficult. But if the uh, the person created the software and released the code does a good job uh, as far as documentation, then compiling is easy. All you do is just type in, you know, a couple of commands, and then it goes, and it just works. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, and I learned a lot about that, actually, from using things like iBooks and stuff like that with Linux because like the only way to get some of that stuff to work on an iBook is to compile it yourself and uh, that is why you know it's kind of helpful if you want to learn about computers to like do like hacking like that you know and try to get these old systems to run modern OS's because then you will learn like I was able to to uh, compile the latest version of uh, uh, NetSurf on my iBook and uh, NetSurf is a browser. It's kind of a limited browser, but still, you can't get any... Uh, well, that's not true. You can get uh, 10.4 Fox as a modern browser for uh, iBooks. It'll work, but it's pretty slow. Uh, NetSurf is actually much faster, though it supports a lot less. But you can compile the latest version of NetSurf on an iBook uh, with Linux, even if you're running 16.04. Now, let's see here. got a couple more comments. Um yeah, I do think uh, Ritual301 says, oh, man, my bad, I stand corrected. Yeah, I do think it is uh, GNOME-based. That's what I thought. Because uh, the I remember back on the old versions of GNOME, it looked pretty much like how Cinnamon looks now. And I used to use GNOME back then. I liked it. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Yaver Nolcia says, uh, are you streaming from Linux right now? No, I'm not. I'm on Windows 10. I mentioned that in the beginning but you weren't around. That's so, yeah, that's cool. Uh, you can ask anything you want. Um, I'm actually using uh, Windows 10 with OBS at the moment, but sometimes when I stream here, I do use uh, Linux. Uh, I was just already booted into Windows. I was working with Ableton, so I just left it in Windows and 
stream from here. Um, let's see. Uh, Ritual 301 says, still doesn't remind me of GNOME much when I use it, though. Well, yeah, that's because it's GNOME changed a lot. But if you go back on the old, old versions of Linux, like the really old version of uh, Red Hat and Debian, uh, you, you'll you see the old versions of GNOME pretty much looked exactly like Cinnamon. Uh, people say, or Paladini971 uh, says, people say if you want to use Linux, you need to use the terminal. All I have done so far as terminal goes is copy and paste. Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's definitely helpful if you know the terminal. Uh, I do a lot in the terminal. Um because well i install i always install software through there i never use graphic software installers i do all my updates through there uh just a lot of stuff i i just like it you know you don't have to use it now you used to have to use it uh but now you don't have to at all um depending on you know what you're using like if you're using a super minimal uh version of linux then yeah you do but on ubuntu and you know mint or maybe actually i don't know about mint but the most of the popular ones, uh, you pretty much don't have to at this point. Uh, but there are advantages to it. Advantages to it, it's very fast. I think it's much faster to do things in a terminal than it is to do it in a graphic uh, interface. And also, it's just, you know, you just don't have to mess around and leave one little box. You know, you can do all kinds of things in one little one little box, <laughs> you know, like rather than have all these different windows open on your computer. So let's see. Uh, Ritual 301 says, I don't think terminal is necessary either. I use it a lot, but only because it speeds things up in a lot of cases. But it's totally not necessary. Yeah, pretty much what I was saying. Uh, Javier says, maybe you can do a video on how to compile Linux sampler. I need it to play some sample libraries through my MIDI keyboard on Ubuntu Studio 1904. Linux sampler isn't in Ubuntu Studio 1904? That's crazy. I... I I don't believe that. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I am doubting you, but I don't believe they would leave that out. That's crazy. Um, but I've never had great. Uh oh, did I lose my stream? Okay, I'm back. Um, I've never had great luck with uh, Linux sampler. Honestly, God, why do I keep losing my connection here? Anyway, guys, sorry if. Uh, the streaming settings are getting bad, uh, or the streaming is getting bad and buffering a lot. I'm having a lot of uh, connection issues through YouTube. Uh, but what I was saying is um, Linux Sampler. Yeah, I've never really had a lot of luck with that, that program. Um, I should play around with it more and see what I can do with it. Uh, I've mostly never given it much of a chance because I, I tend to like sound fonts and would use, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Going blank. Fluid Synth. <laughs> That's the one. And, you know, there's like the Fluid Synth uh, UI or GUI uh, that I would use. And, like, would use that and make my own sound fonts with, um, uh, 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 yeah, geez, I'm going blank a lot. What is the sound font uh, creator software for Linux? Anyway. Um, so ritual 301 says, ah, gotcha. That's probably why I'm mistaken. I'm not, I'm only familiar with gnome three, I think. Yeah, that's, that's it. It was gnome two is when it still looked like the old one. 
Ritual 301 says no it buffered just for a second. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it went totally blank here on my end. It looked like it was completely cut off. Uh, and then uh, Yavernusia says, have you watched Unfa? Oh, yeah, I've talked about Unfa on here before. Uh, he's very enthused of Linux, Jack, and uh, Linux producing. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he does a lot. He's really, really good with um, our door. Uh, that's like seems to be his his main uh, daw that he he likes. I don't really care for hard door, but he's really good with it. When I watch him do it, uh, he he does a great job. Uh, but for me, it's just too awkward to use, so I just don't I don't like it. Um, so anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and play another song. And uh, what am I going to play this time? Uh, let's play something off of Ronan's new album. Ronan Conroy. And uh, this is one of those other ones I was talking about before. Uh, one of the new albums that just came out that I'm playing drums on. This one's actually available on uh, vinyl, uh, which is really cool. And uh, Ronan is another friend of mine here uh, that lives in New York City. And uh, he produces a lot of music, uh, kind of a singer-songwriter. He's originally from Ireland. And uh, that's another cool thing about uh, you know living here is I get to work with people from so many different places uh, and so many different styles of music, which is always really cool. I'm going to paste the link in the chat right now, but, uh, Ronin stuff is very different than what you heard of Satoshi's stuff. And, uh, this album, I'm only on like a couple songs, I think three songs on here, and I'm going to play one, uh, on here that I am on, which is called You're So Cruel. So I'm going to play this right now, and, uh, then we'll get back to, uh, discussing these topics and more. Uh, once we get back. So let me go ahead and start this song and then I'll be right back.
All right, that was uh, You're So Cruel by Ronan Conroy. And like I said, uh, that was me on drums. And uh, that was recorded, I don't even know when, because the way Ronan does stuff, um, I could have recorded that song either three months ago or like five years ago. (laughs) Like, I don't remember because I've recorded so much with him. And it's always like, like, it's never in order. Like, he always, uh, oh, let me get my camera back on. He always does things like, we'll record a bunch of songs, and then he record, he releases albums, like, not in the order that he records them. Like, uh, songs, so one song could be recorded, like, five years ago, then just released on an album now. Or, you know, that album could have one that was recorded a few months ago, and things like that. So that, that has happened a lot with him, so I don't even know when that was recorded. But we've done them all in the same studio, which is... Uh, 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 Capture Sound Studio in uh, Greenpoint, uh, Brooklyn. And that's run by uh, our friend Charlie uh, Nealon, who he's a, an excellent musician. Like he plays most other, all the other instruments on Ronin stuff uh, besides the vocals and the guitar. Well, he even does guitar sometimes, but he even did drums on the other half of that album. Uh, Charlie's an incredible musician and a little bit of trivia. He used to play with uh, one of the guys from Nine Inch Nails like when he was in college uh, with him. Not Ronan, but Charlie, uh, the producer of that, uh, what you just heard. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, uh, really great musicians. And uh, Ronan is a passionate, uh, passionate singer and uh, songwriter and just a really cool guy. Uh, he's always been a big supporter of my music too. Like he's bought pretty much everything I've ever released and uh yeah just so definitely check him out and uh support if you can uh buy the new album it's great to have stuff on vinyl if you have a turntable (laughs) Uh, even if you don't have one you know you could buy one they're not that expensive now but uh so let's see were there any comments here oh more stuff about umfa and uh yeah umfa is uh he's probably you know if you search linux audio me and him come up like top i think uh at this stage um, I think his channel is a little more focused than mine. Mine definitely uh, crawls out into other territory uh, that some of you guys might not like, but, uh, you know, that's just who I am. So I don't know. Like, uh, I tend to get into all kinds of stuff here. You know, I, I like drums a lot and uh, UFOs and things like that. And, uh, you know, just kind of tend to wander off into all kinds of topics. But I do cover Linux quite a bit um let's see ritual 301 says i was getting some morrissey vibes dug it yeah he likes uh well he's i think he's more of a cure fan uh than morrissey but yeah i think he does like i mean he, he like ronan listens to all kinds of stuff he's got a huge huge record and cd collection way too huge to be living in new york city and moving around with it but he does somehow like if it were me i'd i i throw everything away like i have like vinyl and that's all like i threw away I mean, you guys are going to hate me, but I literally threw away all my CDs. I just threw them in the garbage and I threw away all my tapes too. cassettes. I just, it's just too hard to move everything. Like once you move to a fourth floor building in Brooklyn and have to carry like 8 million boxes up four flights of stairs in August in no AC, like you just don't want anything anymore. You're like, I'm throwing everything away (laughs) because it is just not not fun to deal with that kind of stuff and speaking of throwing away actually like the reason why i haven't done a lot of videos lately um some of you might have noticed you know it's just been like little things here and there and like you know little screen captures and stuff nothing major 
is because I've been doing a lot of work uh, behind the scenes. And uh, the behind the scenes work that I'm working on is, well, one, I'm sad to say, well, kind of sad, half half happy and half sad, that I'm getting rid of my uh, drum room, the little tiny little box drum room studio that you guys have seen in my videos, uh, where I've done a lot of uh, Milky Tracker and drummer videos and those kind of things. Uh, I have to get rid of that because I really just can't afford it anymore. It is a luxury expense uh, that I was, you know, rented when I still had a, a nine to five job. So I really can't afford it, you know, unless I start getting like crazy amount of patrons here uh, and stuff like that, or like just a ton of ad revenue, but I really can't. So uh, I'm getting rid of that. However, I ordered an electronic drum kit and it is going to be sitting right over there. And I'm really excited about this, uh, even though, you know, electronic drums are not drums at all. You know, they're not like acoustic drums. They're very different. But um, I'm really excited about it for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I look at an electronic drum set as just a different, it's a different thing. It's a different beast, you know. Uh, and I don't, I don't look at it like trying to replace an acoustic drum set, which some people do. And I think if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure because an, an electronic drum set will never sound like an acoustic drum set. It's like an electric guitar will never sound like an acoustic guitar. Sure, you can have emulators and stuff like that and pedals that kind of make it sound like it, but not really. Um, so I think with electronic drums, as long as you look at them like they're their own thing, uh, which is how I look at them, then... You know, I think it opens up all kinds of possibilities. Like, I don't even have to use drum sounds. I can use samples. I can do all kinds of stuff. And, like, what's really cool about the kit that I'm getting, it's an Alesis, is it has uh, a USB MIDI output. So I, I will actually be able to control and trigger things like Ableton and uh, uh, what's the uh, uh, hydrogen in Linux. I can do all that right from the drum set, which is going to be awesome. Like, I'm super excited about that. And then another thing, another reason why I'm excited about it, and one of the things I hated about my drum room is I have a lot more space here. Uh, my drum room was so tiny and the lighting was so bad in there. I never had, I never had a spot to put the camera like where I thought it looked good. Like it always looked like shit. And so that's why I would put like, you know, like VHS effects and just like whatever random crap on there because it just never looked good. Like even if I had like, you know, I had this ring light in there, but there was never a place to put it, like, in the correct position, like, with the cameras. Uh, so, in here, you know, once I get the set set up, which should be tomorrow, uh, I should be getting it. So, expect an unboxing video about that uh, once I get it. Hopefully, uh, UPS doesn't fail, uh, which they do sometimes, um, and hopefully it does arrive tomorrow. But it's going to be sitting right over here, and I have plenty of space to put multiple cameras, and I can use my best cameras I could set up lighting. I could do a green screen if I want to. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be really, really awesome. And plus, I could play at all hours of the night and not disturb anybody because it has mesh heads and it's 100% silent um, with headphones. Like, it's just going to be really, really cool. I'm super excited about it. And so, in order to prepare for that, I've had to get rid of a lot of stuff because I had all kinds of crap here. I had several synths and, uh, you know, like just stuff I didn't use that much or would only use for a YouTube video. And uh, just I'm, I'm just clearing out a lot of the junk 
And uh, plus I was selling stuff to get money to buy the electronic kit. Uh, so I did that and I ordered it, uh, I think day before yesterday, it's supposed to be here tomorrow. So yeah, I'm super stoked and uh, I'm excited to see what I can do with Linux uh, with that drum set. Like I mentioned, it will, like hydrogen I know works great with like my pad controller. So I, I'm assuming I will be able to do like all the stuff that I could do with a pad controller with a real electronic kit, which will be even cooler because then I can have like, I can create my own sample libraries uh, in hydrogen and then play them uh, using the electronic kit. And uh, I think it's going to be really cool. And plus the electronic kit also has its built-in sounds and all that stuff too, which I can mess around with and edit and do all kinds of stuff with that. So super stoked on that. And uh, the, the prices of those things uh, has come down uh, uh, quite a bit. They used to be, you used to not be able to get an electronic drum set or a decent one for under $1,000. But now there's a lot of options. Um, uh, Ritual 301 says, I know that feeling, man. At one point, I think I was averaging one move a year back when back when that sucked. Yeah, moving, oh, man, moving is horrible. It is so, it's just not fun. Um, I should tell that, that full moving story because it's actually pretty funny. But, uh, and then ritual 301 also says, that'll be awesome. Look forward to the new setup. Thank you. And always won an electronic set back when I played a lot, uh, and live and live in an apartment, live in an apartment. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's the reason why I'm doing it. I'm keeping my acoustic set. Obviously I've cleared out some space in my closet where I can stuff it in there. I'm going to have a small acoustic set anyways. It's a, it's a, a Tama bop. So it only has an 18-inch bass drum. So I can store it. I will not be getting rid of the acoustic set. I love it. Um, I don't know when I'll be able to actually use it again here in New York, um, unless I go on tour or something with Frame or like one of the bands I'm playing in. Uh, but definitely keeping it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I know I'm getting off topic, but uh, well, we might as well talk a little bit about Mac OS because uh, we didn't really touch on that too much. And... Uh, Honestly, I don't have much negative to say about macOS um, other than uh, it's like kind of like having a car with the hood welded shut, <laughs> you know, like where that's anything Mac. Um, they just ha keep a strict control over, uh, you know, their stuff and you can't really hack it or mess with it that much. Um, I mean, you can to some extent, but that being said, it runs really really well and it always has uh at least since they've been you know using mac os x um and mac os x has a lot a lot of similarities with linux so if you know linux and you know the terminal and the commands you can use a lot of those within mac os x because os x is unix it's a type of unix uh, it's built on darwin which is actually uh very similar to uh bs or it's actually bsd i think uh, a type of bsd so it is in the the Unix Linux family. So it's actually more similar to Linux than Windows is by, by far. Uh, you can even, you know, if you get used to compiling software uh, in Linux, if you have Xcode on a Mac, you can compile software that way. And it's, it's sort of similar. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff uh, that's similar, like all the like copy paste and move commands are all the same. Uh, all the type of like basic uh, Unix programs that run in Linux will run in Mac OS. Uh, so, you know, most of my st my opinion of Mac OS is very positive. And I probably would buy 
a newer Mac if I had that kind of money um, to blow. <laughs> like, especially that new Mac Pro. Oh, my God. If any of you haven't seen that thing yet, check that thing out. This computer is epic. Like, it is, like, the craziest computer Mac has ever made. It looks like... I mean, I'm really glad they went back to a tower design uh, for the Mac Pro, and it's just insanely powerful. I mean, it goes up to, like, terabytes of RAM... I mean, it's just insane. Like, they really, really went nuts with this thing. Uh, they showed a demo of it running, like, three 6K monitors at once. It's just nuts. I mean, it's... I mean, no, but the base version, like, the the cheapest version of it is, like, $6,000. So, I mean, it's obviously not for your average user. But, you know, Mac makes some incredible stuff. They always have. Um, you know, I... I'm not a Mac hater. I, I like Macs a lot. I just don't like iPhones. <laughs> I've had a couple iPhones, but I, I've never really liked them. I'm, I'm an Android guy, which, if you don't know, Android is a type of Linux. It's basically Linux kernel running uh, Java apps is kind of how Android works. Um, of course, it's much more complicated than just that. But I have this Pixel 3a now, and I really like this. But uh, And the reason why I don't like iPhones, I mean, yeah, they're... They're very stable and they work good and they're nice phones, but they are the same reason like a Mac. My only criticism criticism about OS X is just how locked down they are. Like you can't really like you, you can't plug an iPhone into a computer and just copy files to it. Like just drag and drop, you know, like a, a file or like a music file. Like you can't do that. It's not that simple. You have to open up iTunes and like. Like do all synchronize it and do all this crap and like it's just like it makes everything difficult even like if you want to like you know copy photos off of your device although i i heard that they're they're improving that they are starting to support like drives and stuff like that um yeah uh, ritual 301 999 for the monitor stand yeah i mean you know hey if they can do it and they pull it off you know in a way i think it's good because like for one, they're not pushing a bunch of cheap crap out onto the market that people will just buy and throw away. Like, you know, like what, like we were talking about earlier, like people who are going to buy the $6,000 Mac with a $999 monitor stand are going to be keeping that thing as long as they possibly can. And for good reason, because it's freaking $10,000 or something, you know. But at the same time, it's going to blow everything away. Like, it's going to just run so good. Um, if you have that kind of money to spend on it, obviously the people who are doing that are going to be able to afford the commercial software and they'll have all the best programs and all the best everything, you know, and like we're talking people like, you know, Disney studio, like Marvel studios are going to be using this thing. You know, it's like people like that. So, I mean, for what it is, it is, I mean, it's the best, you know, it's, it's up there. It's like the most solidly running Mac OS is, it, it is going to run good. And it's just, there's just nothing else I can really say about that. I mean, as far as the programs go, um, you know, yes, there's, there's less available for Mac than there are for Windows and Linux. But what you get, it's going to cost you, but it's going to work really well. You know, and that's, that's just pretty much how it is. But if you're a tinkerer and somebody that likes to mess around with stuff and hack, may not be the best thing, you know, and that's, you know. But you can also get a MacBook and install Linux on it because they do run Linux fairly well, you know, because they're, you know, like I said, they're Unix machines. So, and a lot of people, like I said, I had the old black MacBook 
and ran Ubuntu on that, and it performed amazingly well. Uh, not with Unity. I would always run IceWM because IceWM is so fast. The only uh, bad thing on those old black and white MacBooks were the graphics cards. Like, they were terrible. So if you try to run, like, GNOME or Unity or something like that, it's just going to suck. So it's best to have... Uh, my favorite was always IceWM because IceWM takes, like... It eats no resources. Like, it just works really, really well. And that's what I use on my iBook, too. Um, so, yeah. And even on the iBook, like, it runs super smooth with IceWM and Ubuntu 16.04. But, yeah. So, I mean, Max, their hardware is, you know, it's well made. It looks good. Um, it's just stylish. I don't know. All the stuff people say is pretty true, you know. Uh, so, that's that. Uh, you know kind of tapped out on the the windows versus linux versus mac and i have a few other things i wanted to talk about on this podcast and like usual i always have movies that i watch and stuff like that and music recommendations and i watched a lot of movies uh since the last podcast uh with marcus h if you haven't listened to that one it was a live stream but we did it late so there was hardly anybody online uh that was a pretty cool podcast you should check it out (coughs) marcus h is in the uk and uh, we talked about experimental music and UFOs, and that was a lot of fun. He was a great guest. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention is I am shamefully going to admit that for a long time, I was a moon landing hoax believer. <laughs> um, you know, because, okay, only half shamefully. My It was my problem because I really didn't look into it as deeply as I should have until recently. And I'm going to go over all this. uh, But there's a lot of reasons on surface to believe that it's a hoax that we went to the moon. And uh, one of the, well, two of the main reasons for me were the fact that they lost the original broadcast tapes or they recorded over them. And two, that they somehow lost all the telemetry data. That always really bothered me. And uh, that's documented. That's real. Uh, those things do not exist now, which is why we have such a hard time of relearning this stuff. But that being said, um, what I was doing, I was toying with the idea of making a moon hoax, uh, conspiracy video. And I started doing research, like deep research, deeper than I ever did. And, uh, went into depth about all this stuff and learning as much as I can and it proved to me without a doubt 100% that we absolutely did go to the moon and there's no doubt in my mind and it is the most amazing thing <laughs> i mean it's so funny like right now i i am like it's like new to me because i always was so skeptical but like now i'm like just blown away i'm like oh my god like these guys actually pulled this off like it was the most insane thing that human beings have ever pulled off and they did it like really really well i mean they the thing is is like you know one of the questions that always came up or that i was talking about well how come nobody died it seems pretty uh you know amazing that we made it to the moon all those times and like there was not a single accident well first off that's not even true apollo one the entire crew of apollo one was killed and a lot of people don't know this um they never even made it off the freaking one runway Um, And Apollo 1 wasn't going to go to the moon. It was just one of the research missions. There were a lot of research missions up to Apollo 11. And this is why, basically, they were able to pull off 
Apollo 11 and uh, thir- or 12 and 13 had issues, but it's still, you know, nobody died. Uh, for, and I think they went up to what, uh, 19 or 17 or something like that. But they pulled all these off. Uh, 24 guys made it to the moon. And uh, they pulled it all off without a serious accident. And the reason why they were able to do that is because they had so many accidents and disasters leading up to that. Um, and it is crazy. Like the more you learn about this stuff, like the whole Gemini program. And like I was saying with Apollo one, what had happened with Apollo one is all of the astronauts, they were in the, uh, they were in the command module and they were getting ready to launch. And they, at this point, they were basically, uh, filling the module with pure oxygen, which seems like an incredibly stupid idea. But apparently, you know, in space, it's okay to do that. But what had happened is uh, there was a spark, and they never determined where the the spark came from. But it created a flash fire that killed all three astronauts in, like, 30 seconds. It just burned them, like, immediately. Uh, It's crazy. It's horrible. uh, Horrible tragedy. And, um, uh, but, you know... This the reason why I guess they had this uh, pure oxygen uh, in the the cockpit was because when you're in space, uh, some technical reason why maybe I'm not. Uh, uh, let's see. Yavernusia uh, says I think that human space trip totally impossible because no way of turning back, landing, free falling through the atmosphere because there are no thermal isolation materials. There are such materials we could have lived on the North and South Pole. Well, there are materials like that, actually. Um, you know, I don't know the names of them, but all the information is out there for sure. I mean, these guys did do it. Uh, and if you're skeptical, I mean, I was skeptical, totally. Um, but there's a few things uh, that you could watch that will pretty much kill all that skepticism. And one of them is a channel called Vintage Space. And uh, it is run by uh, this girl. I can't remember her name, but she is really good. And she has she addresses basically all of these theories in a very mature and way. And she actually gives you all of the documented scientific data that shows you how they did all this stuff and like just lays it out very matter of factly. And you can check it out for yourself. And it's all there. And then if that isn't convincing enough, uh, the newly released movie called Apollo 11 that features tons of never-before-seen footage, 70-millimeter film footage of of the entire Apollo 11 from launch uh, to traveling to the moon to the moon and then back uh, in amazingly clear uh, detail. And the footage is absolutely incredible. Uh, it is, and this is one of the, this is how I got on this topic to begin with, because it's one of the movies that I wanted to recommend. It's a documentary. Uh, you can rent it now and it's just called Apollo 11 and it is mind blowing. Like it is so cool. Um, this rocket, like the Saturn V rocket was such an insanely huge rocket. They still have never made a rocket this big. Um, it weighed like thousands of tons. They used this, this the machine they use to even move the rocket is mind blowing. And that's how the film opens up. It's got this, like these four, like gigantic tanks basically on the bottom with this huge, I I mean, it's just so insane. The amount of work and the amount of stuff 
that they went through to make this happen uh it's just mind-blowing it's it's one of the most amazing achievements i mean it has to be the most amazing amazing achievement of all humankind like it i researching this has given me such an immense appreciation for what these guys did um i i don't know it's like if I, i feel like it changed me like because i never really really looked into it and then like Okay, so there's Apollo 11. I also watched First First Man, which again is is highly I highly recommend this movie. This one's about you know it's basically a a movie a fictionalized version of Neil Armstrong, and the amount of stuff that this guy went through, uh, from you know fifteen ten fifteen years before he was walking on the moon, is pretty crazy. And like one of the uh, big criticisms, uh, you know, a lot of moon. Uh, conspiracy uh, people will say like their press conference uh you know they seemed all agitated and you know just seemed like uncomfortable well the more you learn about these guys that actually went to the moon their mannerisms and their personalities actually make perfect sense in that press conference uh because neil armstrong was a sad guy like he was not a happy man he he had a lot of problems his little daughter at like five years old or four years old or something died of cancer um all his friends he was good friends with the uh, apollo one uh team they all died like right before you know like a few years before he was going up there like all these people he knew were dying all around him all the time you know and like he almost died several times even in the training when they were preparing uh for the moon launch he was trying to land one of the the lander uh they had this one on earth it wasn't the limb and this is another thing that a lot of conspiracy moon conspiracy people say is like he couldn't even land the limb on earth well it wasn't the limb it was a limb simulator they couldn't actually do the limb because it would operate completely different in earth's atmosphere but he almost died landing this thing or trying to land this thing and you could actually see a video of that on youtube which is crazy like he comes like within like probably four or five feet of crashing on the ground and then ejects and like the the eject seat like shoots him way up in the air and then he parachutes back down and uh, it's really cool um so all of that stuff and there's tons and tons of it the main one i recommend is vintage space like i said her videos uh debunking the moon hoax conspiracies are some of the best you will ever see and then definitely watch apollo 11 documentary it is mind-blowing i can't stress enough how blown away i was by that movie really really good um now other movies that i've seen recently was the new godzilla and i really really enjoyed the new godzilla too though it gave me a massive headache from all the explosions and bass um but it was really cool if you're a godzilla fan it was epic uh it had all the monsters in there all fighting uh reminded me of like the the 90s 2000 era japanese ones except with like way better effects and uh, i really liked it um oh also uh rocket man uh just saw that a night before last and i was you know all my reviews are good this time uh i was amazing i was so impressed with rocket man i thought i would be like kind of into it you know i've always liked elton john and i thought it'd be cool to see you know like you know a biopic about elton john but this movie is so much more than that it is really uh, a very creative piece of art really it's not just a biopic um they took a lot of creative license but all in a good way uh it was very entertaining 
my only slight tiny little criticism of, of it is the actor's voice uh, that plays Elton, but obviously he had impossible shoes to fill and no way he's going to sound like Elton. You know, he he pulls it off for the most part. Uh, he sounds like he's out of his comfort zone in several of the songs, but he still pulls it off and the acting is amazing. Um, the whole movie is just incredibly entertaining. It's very funny and sad and trippy and like it's got like a lot of you know it shows you how much of a crazy like party maniac he was which is if you didn't i already kind of knew that but a lot of people didn't realize that like elton john was like pretty insane like he did a lot of drugs um but it was really really good i highly recommend it so i think my i i loved all of those uh apollo 11 being my favorite out of the three i mentioned just because the footage of that movie is absolutely stunning uh 70 millimeter film uh, of never released footage of the moon landing it's just amazing and if i mean the thing is is when you see all this stuff and you see all this machinery you know if they were gonna fake the moon landing they could have done it so much cheaper than they did it like i mean there was a lot of shit to go through to fake something like i mean it, there's no way i mean there's just absolutely no way it's fake it is it's real and it's amazingly impressive um let me read some of these comments here uh, ritual 301 says is an aerogel used to control thermals not sure how new tech that is though yeah i don't know what they technically are but i know they have them i mean i've watched several of the spacex uh missions and uh the, you know elon musk just you know remote landed something and returned it to earth he's doing it all the time now i mean they're doing they're doing a lot um aerogels are super cool though uh vertassium did a video on it like a week or two ago i'm not familiar with that channel um but i'll check it out <clears throat> um so yeah apollo 11 what i what i was saying is the footage i mean once you learn about all the stuff they did to prepare for this launch uh i mean it's just 100 percent convincing there's no way it's fake no way even like what once you start learning about what the you know the things that they argue you know like the reasons for it to be fake too and you learn more about the science like the one with the no crater below the the launch or the the lunar module even um uh, neil armstrong himself in apollo 11 when they land after he gets out and he looks at the actual uh, moon he even comments on that so like if they were faking this why would it just doesn't even make any sense that you know one of the people who's participating in the fake would mention something you know that's supposedly proving that it's fake like that doesn't even make sense but he does comment on it he's like he's like yeah you know surprisingly there's not much of a there's no crater at all under the limb from the landing and he's commenting on the dust you know and like the consistency of the dust and like another thing too that i didn't realize is when he climbed out, he stood on the, the limb's foot for about 10 or 15 minutes before he actually stepped on the ground. Uh, because, you know, I mean, you think about this, you know, you're on an alien planet, essentially, you don't know what that dirt's going to do when you step on it. Like, it could like have suddenly like shocked him with like thousands of volts of electricity for all he knows, you know, like, so like, he stood there for a while before he even put a foot down. And then uh, Buzz Buzz Aldrin waited a good twenty minutes before he came out. 
So, you know, they're cautious. There is a lot of uh, precautions taken. And uh, it was, you know, just learn about it. That's all I could say. The more you learn about it, the more you'll realize that this was real and it was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. It is amazing. And now I'm like super stoked. You know, I'm like all into it now. Like, I hope we go back. Like, I really want to see um, what SpaceX does and what these other companies, like uh, Jeff Bezos' company, does uh, to get up there. And uh, Ritual uh, 301 has got a jet, dude. Thank you so much for the stream. And congrats again on the 5,000 subs. Take care. Thank you. And thanks for coming by and chatting again. And uh, yeah, this one's been fun. Uh, so I think that's going to about wrap it up. I mean, we're at like an hour and 49 minutes already. Jeez, that went so fast. But uh, anyway, thanks, guys. Unless anybody has any other questions they want to ask right now. Um, and I'll give it a couple minutes because I know there's a delay uh, by the time you guys hear what I just said. So if you guys have any other questions or anything like that, uh, go ahead and post them now and uh, we'll, we'll continue. But if not, then uh, I'm going to log off and uh, play, play one more song before we take off here. But uh, yeah, what else? I know there's some other movies. Well, I started watching Rim of the World, but I fell asleep last night. And that's a Netflix original movie. And, and so far it was actually really good, but I don't want to comment on it totally until... Until I, I watch the whole thing. Um, yeah. So, well, actually, why don't I play a song now? And then that'll give you guys a chance to hear this. And if you want to um, ask another question, you can while the song's playing. Then I'll talk about it when I get back. And uh, we'll just uh, take it from there. So let me see what I'm going to play. And my computer is suddenly going really slow. And, you know, I'm in Windows, so maybe that's why. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's actually iTunes going really slow, which I'm ashamed to admit that I'm using iTunes right now. Um, the only reason why I have that on here is because I was streaming Apple Music, which you can do online in the web player, which I mentioned in my last video. But uh, I just had iTunes open, so I was using that. Um, let's see. What am I going to play? Let's play... Oh, um, let's play something else off my new record. Um, and let's go in here. Let's see. See, okay, this is the only other song that wasn't released on YouTube uh, before the album came out. And this one's called I'm a Parrot. So I'm going to go ahead and play this one. And uh, then I'll be right back to answer any more questions you guys might have. So here we go. Let's turn my audio volume back up and here's I'm a Parrot by Demonic Sweaters.
Okay, that was I'm a Parrot by Demonic Sweaters. And I posted the link in the chat there if you guys are interested. And like I said, it'll be on uh, all the streaming services here uh, pretty soon as well. So if you want to wait, you can check it out there. Um, so it doesn't look like there's any more questions coming in uh, for the time being. But I feel like that was a good uh, live stream and podcast. And thanks to all you guys for watching and uh, listening and participating. That was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully I'll be back very soon for another one. And if you're around tomorrow, like I said, hopefully if that... Uh, uh, electronic kit comes there'll be an unboxing video by the end of the day tomorrow and uh i wonder if i should i i don't know i don't know if i could do a live stream unboxing that might be too too weird but uh anyway thanks for watching everybody and have a great week see you see you real soon